Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress on your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk all things Rise of the Resistance, the awesome new ride at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I've ridden it, and so I talked to Leslie about the logistics, and then I bring on Doug McKnight from Rope Drop Radio to chat about our impressions of the ride itself. There will be a no-spoiler section, and then there will be a spoiler section, and I'll make sure to warn you before the spoiler section, and I'd really recommend that you skip that section if you haven't ridden the ride yet. Final episodes of this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So I am fresh back. I'm fresh back, literally just got off the airplane an hour ago, got home to record with Leslie. I was in Disney World for 24 hours, and I got to ride the new Rise of the Resistance ride at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge twice. It was amazing. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to have a long, spoiler-free section, and then I'm going to jump on with Doug from Rope Drop Radio, and we're going to have a more spoiler-filled discussion about it. Before we get started, you know, I just wanted to make a quick reminder that if Uh, You are a Patreon supporter at any level. You know, you have already heard my initial impressions on the Rise of the Resistance because, you know, when we are in the parks, whether it's Disney World, Disneyland, or, you know, if we can get Wi-Fi on Disney Cruise, we'd even do that. uh, You know, we'll drop some live trip reports. So you can check us out at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered and find that in the show notes if you're interested in that. But enough with uh, the housekeeping. Leslie, we're going to switch chairs. You're going to interview me. And so, you know, ask me anything. All right. Well, let's start with the very basics. For anyone who doesn't know about Rise of the Resistance, give us a quick overview of what this attraction is. My kind of number one thing is if you can go into this ride unspoiled, that is the kind of ideal way to experience it. But ostensibly, you are joining the Resistance and you kind of get caught in the middle of this situation, uh, you know, Resistance versus First Order. And you go through this experience. It's actually like 20, 25 minutes long, including pre-shows, actual attraction. You know, I think the best way to describe it is an attraction. And it is an epic attraction that really makes you feel like you're in the heart of this conflict. And like a lot of attractions that have, uh, you know, now become iconic, the shows, the pre-shows, the post-shows, it's all part of that experience. And so, you know, it's just an amazing attraction. Uh, If you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to it's really going to blow your mind. And if you're not a Star Wars fan, just like Flight of Passage, it's not going to matter. Um, you're just going to feel like the experience is so kind of immersive and just plain fun that, uh, you know, you're going to have a great time. All right. So for folks who really don't know anything, though, we should let them know this is in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios at Disney World. But they're also off- going to be opening the an identical version of the ride at Disneyland on January 17th of 2020. We hope, we hope. Yeah. So it's the second ride and really it's the number one ride at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And, you know, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is kind of that number two ride um, and definitely is in that spot now that uh, Rise of the Resistance is open. Yeah, this is definitely the ride that everybody's been waiting for. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see long term what it does to crowds at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, because I'd say generously that the reviews of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge have been a bit mixed um, prior to this ride opening. But the reviews for this ride are, are, in terms of the quality, have been across the board really positive. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, you know, and we'll get into the operational issues later, but if the ride is working, you have to kind of be really nitpicky to even give it an A-. minus. That's, you know, just my 
personal opinion. One last thing we should note is that there is a height minimum for this uh, that is 40 inches, you know, pretty standard. You know, it's nothing huge in terms of drops or twists and turns or things like that. But, you know, there is that 40 inch height minimum there. All right. Well, let's talk about the logistics because that's really the big stumbling block for any new ride at Disney. You know, how do you get on it? How do you dodge the lines? And Disney threw us all a curveball because they didn't tell us how they were going to run all the operations before this ride opened. And instead, on opening day, we get blessed with this new virtual queue, as they're calling it. So uh, how does the virtual queue work? Really, it was really annoying to me because I had just planned to wait in line for a long time. But the way the virtual queue works is you have to be physically present inside Hollywood Studios. People surmise that you have to have actually tapped in with your magic band. And, you know, I don't see any reason not to believe that at the moment. So you and anyone in your party has to be physically in Hollywood Studios. Then you open up your My Disney Experience app and there's a place in the app where you can click on join boarding group for Rise of the Resistance, and then it'll give you a boarding group number. And what happens is when your boarding group number comes up, uh, you'll get a push notification on your phone, and you have two hours from the time you get that push notification to go and ride the ride. If you don't have My Disney Experience or you don't have a smartphone, you can always go to Guest Relations to get that boarding group. Um, But, you know, the real tricky thing, though, is that Technically, Hollywood Studios has been opening at 9 a.m. with the exception of Sunday, where there was extra magic hours and boarding groups have been sold out before the official park opened at all. So, you know, this morning I showed up at like 525 a.m. to get my boarding group. All right. So we should also mention that this is a virtual queue just for the ride itself, not for the land, which is what was in place for when the land opened back in August. There was potentially a virtual queue in in use to enter the land at all. So don't get those two confused if you're you know interested in just checking out Galaxy's Edge, but not necessarily riding Rise of the Resistance. But if you feel that way, what's wrong with you? It's not even that much of a thrill ride, um, I'll say. So, you know, if you don't like roller coasters, you'll be okay with this. If you can handle Flight of Passage, you'll definitely be okay with this. Um, You know, really, it's kind of tame in terms of um, the actual physical thrills that you'll be experiencing. All right. Well, walk us through really quickly your two different rides. So your first ride, I know you were in boarding group 59, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, And, you know, shout out to Disney Deciphered listener Michael T., um, he was at the park early on Sunday morning, got boarding group 59, but he had actually had to uh, leave for the airport. And so he lent me his magic band and I got on uh, no problem doing that. So anyway, I was boarding group 59. It got called at 4.30 p.m. I entered the queue. I was humming along and got to where I found out was essentially like the last turn before the ride itself or the attraction begins itself by five o'clock. And then all of a sudden, the line stalled out. Um, they started bringing us water. Vi Marathi, who is uh, one of the characters introduced for Galaxy's Edge, started coming through and taking pictures with FastPass. At some point, Chewbacca started coming through, and I was like, whoa, this is really serious. Ended up waiting an extra hour and a half. Didn't enter the attraction until 6.30, um, and then the attraction is about 20 minutes long, so it was done at like 6.50. Um, so that was day one, and that was boarding group uh, 59. Yeah, it seems like in some instances, Disney has been actually clearing the queue if the ride breaks down. So I guess you're kind of lucky that they didn't do that to you after you had like gotten almost all the way to the very uh, start, front, very front of the line. But did you see the ride, the queue get dumped at all while you were there on either No, day? I didn't. I think it was dumped very early in the morning on Sunday, but I don't think it was dumped for the rest of the day. 
And today, as far as I can tell, we're recording at 3 p.m. on Monday, December 9th. It has not been dumped at all. This morning, I got to Hollywood Studios at 5.25 a.m. I was into the park by 6.27 a.m., got a boarding group at 6.30 a.m. It takes a couple minutes for my Disney experience to kind of realize that you're in the park and correctly geolocate you. I got boarding group 18. The boarding group's I think the lowest boarding group is actually 10. Like I've, I've never seen boarding group one through nine. So I'm pretty sure it starts at 10. And today I think it started at 13. Anyway, I was boarding group 18. I got called in at 7, 16 a.m. At that point, the queue was essentially a walk-on. So very different than my experience yesterday on Sunday. And then rode the attraction. I was out by 7.43 and uh, originally had a 12.30 flight, changed it to 10 a.m. and came home. Luckily, because that 12.30 flight has been delayed, it still has not taken off from Orlando. And I would not have been back in time to uh, pick up my kids. So things seem to be running much smoother today. Leslie, you and I just checked. It's 3 p.m. now. They're already up to boarding group 73. Um, Like I said, I did not ride until 6 30 p.m as boarding group 59 yesterday so it seems like maybe they're uh starting to figure things out operationally yeah definitely i think on opening day they were distributing boarding groups like well past 100 like i think i saw people with like 120 or 130 boarding group and then it seems like recently they're only kind of maybe stopping at 100 so that they know that they're going to hopefully get to most people but it sounds like maybe they're on track to improve that at least today if uh, there are no major major breakdowns so i've been hearing at least that right now the ride probably is only running at about something like 50 percent capacity so hopefully they can accommodate you know at some point double what they've been accommodating here in this first week yeah i mean i think this is a good place to talk about uh, operational issues you know we won't get too like kind of in the weeds about it but you know they've definitely had a lot of operational issues i definitely think the ride opened uh, too early like i heard that on opening day the first group got to ride and after that they had dumped the entire queue um and that was like at 7 a.m or 6 a.m or whatever um so you know things did not start very smoothly but to disney's credit they seem to be on a positive trajectory and Definitely from what I saw, it does feel like it's running at 50%. So hopefully they just keep ramping up and ramping up capacity. Having ridden the attraction now, I do not think, you know, obviously it's not going to be trivial to work these things out, but I don't think it's going to be as complicated as Flight of Passage was to figure out. So I think they should have it pretty much down by the time uh, Disneyland opens. You know, hopefully your experience is going to be much smoother when you get to ride at Disneyland. Yeah, fingers crossed. So if you had to uh, speculate right now, Joe, how long do you think that Disney World's going to be running this virtual queue just for people who have trips coming up in the next couple of weeks or months? Yeah, if you have a trip coming up in the next couple of weeks, I'd be pretty comfortable uh, placing a sizable bet on the virtual queue sticking around till at least 2020. My guess is that the virtual queue, I think there's two things that the virtual queue is going to hinge on. Uh, Number one, you know, the virtual queue is going to be tied to how operationally efficient the ride is because you know if you have to dump your entire queue the virtual queue in some senses is better because you don't have a five-hour queue that you had to dump like everyone out of and the actual queue itself like there's not as much space in there as there was in like flight of passage which was you know i think in in the inside part of the flight of passage queue is supposed to be able to hold like two to three hours worth of people it's not as long as that so i think they just can't afford to have super long queues that uh, are going to be in danger of having to be asked to leave. And then secondly, I think as they get their data, they're going to figure out whether you know the virtual queue is kind of the most efficient way to board people overall. And I think if that is positive, they might extend the amount of time the virtual queue is used. As long as people can realistically still get boarding groups by like 10 a.m., 
or something like that, you know, I think they might leave it in place. But if the virtual queue keeps running out before the park even technically opens, then I do think they're going to have to get rid of it just to quote unquote, make things more fair. Yeah, I agree with that. Because as of right now, the fact that virtual queue spots are running out before, you know, people are even, you know, the park's even opening or, you know, transportation is necessarily even supposed to start running, even though they're running the transportation earlier, that's going to make some people mad. And, and it is really hard for families to get their kids up at 5am just to ride this ride. And given all the question marks, it's it's fine for you, somebody like you going solo for a quick trip, but um, it's not very practical for the average family traveler. So yeah, I think my money's on the fact that the virtual queue will continue through the holidays, but I think they'll probably just go to a regular line for a while, even before fast pass, just like what we've had with uh, smugglers run. That's my prediction. It's worth what you paid for it, as my father says. So really quick, um, any tips for people for getting in the virtual queue? It's just wake up early. Is there anything else that uh, they need to be doing in terms of working their phones um, more efficiently? So make sure you have the most uh, up-to-date version of my Disney experience. In reality, like, so I had to get there at 5.25 a.m. because I knew I had a 12.30 flight. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure I got an early enough boarding group, you know, kind of like what happened to Michael T. yesterday. Um, he didn't get an early enough boarding group. And so, you know, he didn't get to ride. Boarding groups have not sold out until like 8.30 or so. Like if you have all day to go to Hollywood Studios, then you don't need to be crazy. You can just show up at 7.30 or so and you should be able to get a boarding group. And today, you know, there were a lot less people in the park, like comparing the line that I was with at 5.30 a.m. Uh, it was much shorter than the lines I've seen over the weekend. So, you know, if you go on a weekday, I think that'll help. Extra magic hours, you know, it's a bit of a toss up. Like they let the extra magic hour people in early, but they didn't open the virtual queue until they let everyone else in the park. So there were people who did not have extra magic hours lining up outside. They let those people in at 7.15 and then um, that's when they opened up the virtual queue. So there's only been one extra magic hour, so kind of not enough data there yet. But I think just as soon as you get in the park, have your app open, just keep refreshing until you can choose a uh, boarding group and then you know just go from there. As long as you're there before 8 a.m., Obviously, uh, let's exclude Christmas week because maybe Christmas week will be insane. Uh, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I think that's right. And this is really something that you do have to monitor day by day. I mean, you can't take advice that's two weeks old on this. Um, Twitter's great for following the play-by-play. And uh, I want to give a, a shout out to Here With The Ears, which is a great a couple living at Disney World for a year. And they're really covering this like blow by blow on their Facebook page. So good place to get the latest news for somebody living at Disney World this year. Awesome. So I'm going to hop on with Doug to talk about the ride with spoilers. Again, I think you should avoid spoilers. Uh, if you want to know uh, my impressions without spoilers, it's being described as a super immersive ride. And I think that is, um, I think that's the way to describe it. It is an amazing ride. You really feel like you are part of the Star Wars conflict. And there's really, I can't say more without spoiling things, but it's definitely something that you should put on your list. Make sure if you have to wake up early to go do it, you know, if you have to beg your significant other to watch the kids so you can get up early and get a boarding pass for yourself. And then, you know, maybe he or she does the same thing another day uh, to experience it. And maybe your kids don't get to experience it because they can't wake up early enough. Although I def definitely saw like some five-year-olds in line at 530 a.m. this morning. Make sure you get on this ride. It is going to be like Flight of Passage. It's going to be another game changer in the theme park industry. And I'm just excited to see what's next. I am too. And I have to ask one more question. No spoilers, Joe, but scare factor. If people are trying to decide whether to take their young kids on this ride, can you give us like, compare it to some other attraction? Like if your child is okay with 
Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or Slinky Dog Dash or Millennium Falcon? Like where's sort of the line of, of where kids would be comfortable uh, riding this ride? Okay, so I have to break this down into kind of two sections. In terms of your physical movement, if your kid can handle any roller coaster, even Barnstormer, they're going to have no problem here. And probably even if your kid can handle something like, I don't know, Primeval World. I don't know why you put your kid on that, though. That's a death trap. But there's not like a ton of like super fast, jerky, stomach in your throat inducing movements. There's not very much of that. Uh, There's very little. In terms of intensity, though, if your kid can handle Star Tours, they can probably handle this. But just imagine Star Tours with some animatronics in it. That's kind of the best way to say it. You have to separate those two things. Like I think my kids can handle the motion aspect of the ride, but I'm not sure they can handle the intensity aspect of the ride. Well, that's great advice. So I'm excited to hear your review and the next section full of spoilers. All right. Joe here cutting in. Again, I'm about to go full spoilers with Doug from Rope Job Radio. If you haven't ridden the the Rise of the Resistance yet, I really recommend that you just stop the recording here, come back after you've ridden it. So we are going to jump in the spoiler section. This is your last chance. Like I said with Leslie, you I really recommend that you do this ride knowing as little about it as possible. But if you've already done the ride or if you just can't resist, I've brought on Doug McKnight from Rope Drop Radio, an excellent podcast that will teach you how to get the highest score in Buzz Lightyear, teach you all proper rope drop strategies. Doug, welcome to Disney Decipher. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being here so we can just chat about this amazing ride. Well, I'm excited to be here, Joe, because I really need somebody to talk to about this attraction since I was on it, and now I'm back home, and there's only one person I can talk to about that, and she's tired of listening to me, and that's my wife. <laughs> well, at least you have at least you have the one person. So all I've got is you. Uh, Doug, really quickly, why don't you just tell us about Rope Drop Radio a little bit before we get started? It's a weekly podcast that I do with my partner, uh, Derek Sassman. We've been doing it for about three years. We love to talk about all things Disney from parks to movies to cruising, definitely how to get the most out of your Disney vacation. It's kind of a planning podcast is what we say. We have lots of different guests such as you guys from Disney Deciphered. Uh, thank you so much and glad to have you here. And uh, yeah, that just great, you know, rope drop. It's in the name, right. lots of strategy, lots of great stuff there on Rope Drop Radio. All right. I would love to talk about Rope Drop Radio all day, but I would love even more mm-hmm. to talk about Rise of the Resistance. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through scene by scene, just give our quick impressions of each scene. So why don't you kick us off, Doug? After that point, like to me, the attraction starts when they say how many people are in your party. And so where do you mm-hmm. go to next? Then you go into the first pre-show where you walk in and there's a couple screens up there. BB-8 is there doing his thing. And then a hologram appears of Ray, right? This is where the attraction really begins. Don't you agree? Yeah, for sure. Like that hologram, I was like, what the heck? I mean, I just was staring at it and I was like, it looks like in the movies, Mm -hmm. except for it's like right there in front of me. Yeah, it really does feel like the movies. And and Ray talks to BB-8, sends him off on the way to go prepare a ship. And then we have different characters on the screens telling us. Not, it's not a mission that we're going on. We're being recruited, right? You're, we're joining the resistance or escaping the first order on Batu. It's just fantastically done. It really sets the stage well, I think. Yeah, I think the amazing thing is like, you know, I don't even know if the story itself matters. It's the kind of sense of urgency mm-hmm. that this whole pre-show gives you. And, you know, Finn's there, Poe's there, like the, all the new three yeah. are there. You know, I had this crazy thought 
Doug, and that was I didn't even think in my head how amazing that BB-8 animatronic is because yeah. I was so my mind was so blown by everything else that was going on in that room, and it's just a pre-show. Yeah, it is just a pre-show, and BB-8 kind of rolls out to where if you're on one side of the room and close up, you may not even see BB-8. So when you go in that room, you want to be kind of further back from that because if you're too close, you may not be able to see BB-8 very early, easily. That's one little tiny minute tip. Yeah, and another random thing, uh, having been lucky enough to have done this twice the second time i did it the room was a mirror image so ray was on the other side ah yeah so yeah there's two different it flips and there's two different versions of the attraction did you get both versions of the attraction i did i did Yeah. okay perfect that's that's awesome that you got that in your your two times yeah i didn't even i didn't even realize they were different because the first time anyway we'll get there we'll get there yeah all right so uh after that you go outside mm-hmm. and you see a transport and you know there are resistance members resistance parentheses cast mm-hmm. members yeah. who are ushering you to into this transport Doug I have a confession for you okay okay I I got into the queue at 4:30 and it was light when I got in there all right mm-hmm. and then the ride broke down so I was stuck there for like 2 hours didn't get into the attraction until 6:30 when I came out of that pre-show I went outside and it was dark <laughs> and until I finished the ride, I had thought I had walked into some sort of auditorium. Oh, Disney. yeah. I thought Disney controlled the sky. This is how like <laughs> immersed I was in what was going on. But no, it's, awesome. it's outside. So if, if, it's, if the sun's out, the sun's out. I, I was actually, I think if it's raining, you'll get rained on a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a really short walk. It's, it's like maybe like 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Pose X-Wing is there and then you yep. go inside a transport. All right. And then what's going on in this transport, Doug? Well, I had to get my selfie with Poe's X-Wing because BB-8's in it as well. That's where he rolled off to. So that's the first step. True. Then you go on the transport, and it's what you would expect from a Star Wars transport, right? There's no chairs. There's there's some railings. And in the front, you have screens and an amazing animatronic. It's Admiral – I remember the name of the No, it's a Lieutenant ago. Breck. Lieutenant Breck. Yes, Breck. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a Mon Calamari species. So not Admiral Akbar. He's – he is uh, no longer R. with R. us. RIP. Yep. Yep. But the screen's in the front, and then there's the back of um, Nub Nub. Is that his name? Uh, his head. He never turns around to see his face, the pilot. But uh, it's pretty cool how there's an animatronic right there, like feet away from you if you go into the front. Now, if you go in the back, you can look out the back window. You can see Batu as you fly away into space. And the premise is we're joining the resistance, right? We're leaving Batu. And you can see it in the rearview mirror. We get into space and then, oh, something's going on. And we run into some X-Wings. And that's when shenanigans start to happen. And Poe takes over. He's on the screen. You see all three X-Wing pilots. Unfortunately, not for very long because a couple of them don't make it. Yeah. um, First of all, you forgot to mention the fact that uh, Buddy Dyer, (laughs) Mayor of Orlando, comes on. It feels a little bit... It's like the yeah, just like the airport. No, it feels it feels a little bit like the airport. Um, but it but it's it, it is public transit, you know. Yes, yeah, but I mean, you get you pick up a transport. <laughs> what can you do? You can't control it. You're with the public. Um, but joking aside, you know. So I ended up actually in the back both times because you know I was staying mm-hmm. outside longer to take pictures and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, the back is as good as the front. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking out the back. It's obviously like screen based, but it looks so good. Yeah. Um, it looks like so immersive. It doesn't look like cheesy at all, and you can really kind of feel that uh, you're in this battle. And, you know, I could see Lieutenant Breck up front, but, you know, I, I, he he was handling his thing. He was doing what he was doing up there. And I was watching what was going on in the back. And then, boom, all of a sudden, Star Destroyer behind you. 
Star Destroyer in front of you, you're pincered in. Oh no, tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the doors boarded. open and you get boarded. And the so doors open some- a different way, depending on what way you're going to. We had somewhere we went through, and then we had somewhere we went back out the door we came in. Going in, you don't know which way you're going to go out unless you really figured it out, which I have not. Yeah, no. Both times I went out the same door that I came in, and ah. I don't, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, you know, we're gonna record a Patreon episode about all the things that we don't understand how it yeah. works. Um, there's a but, lot. Yeah, there's, uh, there's <laughs> a lot. Of there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, in, and now the first order parentheses mm-hmm. cast members board, and they're mean. Oh. We had one that was spectacular. Like, as soon as that door opened, they were on us. Like, we were prisoners. The, yep. The others and weren't quite as intense. So they usher you out, and you walk out into the hangar of mm-hmm. the uh, Star Destroyer, and there is a that. whole mess of storm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a mess of stormtroopers sitting there. And this is this is the thing that, like, really, with words, we can't explain what no. it feels like to walk into there. You feel like you are out there in the hangar you know you're looking out into space i don't know how many stories tall and wide that screen is showing us space but it is massive and it is amazing and you feel like you're in star wars you're not just in an attraction you're in it no you're like you're just straight up like in the movie uh-huh. um, this is where this is where one time uh, you know i felt like they are very good at staying in character but one mm-hmm. time i felt like they broke a little bit because they're like uh yeah take your scans and then move on to the detention center you know yeah. i don't know if you've been arrested doug i, I haven't yeah, been arrested haven't, not yet but i kind of imagine that if i were to be arrested usually they're not going to say to me go ahead and take your pictures yeah before we uh put you, well, you you need a selfie of this go for it yeah yeah but <laughs> to be fair they do give you quite a bit of time in that room and you kind of want it so mm-hmm. um we were the last ones into the queue again every time. Me too. Me too. Um, and so then you're in this queue again, two amazing audio animatronic stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of can't tell yeah. if they're real or not. Lots of cast members, and you get queued up, and then you end up in this detention cell um, with obviously the cast members all along the way, kind of giving you, you mm-hmm. know, I got insulted for my education level you know told i was resistant <laughs> scum like all this kind of stuff you end up in a detention cell and what happens in the detention cell doug well you get uh you get put on your color that you have to remember and then they send you into that little yeah the interrogation room where uh general hux and kylo ren come in to interrogate you fortunately they don't get too far in their interrogation because it was a little frightening we were with some scared small children one time. They're like, it looks real. It's a screen, I believe. But holy cow, does it look real? Yeah, uh, they do a nice job. Since you're in a cell, there's like grates. And that yeah. kind of makes yeah. the effect of the screen look even more real uh-huh. in some ways. Anyway, they go off to do their thing. And then you start hearing kind of like welding noises uh-huh. or something like that. One of the walls in your detention cell starts lighting up. And then all of a sudden... Boom, the wall opens up, and there are your saviors, resistance yep. fighters. Yeah, and they're in character, like, come on, come on, we're here to rescue you. Get in the vehicles. Like, like they're don't forget all your in. color though. Yeah, don't <laughs> forget your color, but get in your color, even though we weren't we weren't there when you got your color. We're sure they assigned you a color because they're bad guys. They do that. So get in your color, but then you get in your vehicle and Poe talks to you. No, Finn talks to you then and gives you the rundown of what's gonna happen. You have your droid that's going to drive you out there to the turbo lifts and you'll be safe. 
but you won't. No, shenanigans happen. Things go awry. Yeah. Then the ride starts. That's where people say, that's where the ride starts. I'm like, is it crazy? We've been talking about this for 10. Well, I mean, we've been talking about it for 10 minutes. This is the first time you put on a seatbelt. This is the first time you put on a seatbelt. And you're pulling on the yellow strap at this point. Like, that's the one thing not themed. And the whole ride is pull on the yellow strap. Like we couldn't, we couldn't have thought of something there. Hey, you know what? They got to keep us safe. Okay. OSHA has OSHA. That's OSHA. <laughs> Actually, no, it's, it's canon because of Star Tours. Oh, That's okay. The there you go. From, okay. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Canon. Gotcha. So, yeah. So it's a trackless ride. So if you've been on Mystic Manor or Poos Honey Hunt, same mm-hmm. idea. Uh, you're moving around. It's trackless. And then you kind of just go on this crazy adventure where you mm-hmm. keep trying to escape. And every way, which way you try to escape, you run into something that's stopping More you. Trouble. And we're, and we're just going to spoil everything here. So, yeah. you know, you run into a probe droid. Yep. Yep. That's intense. It's huge. Yep. That, that felt way bigger in real life than in the movies. It's much scarier now. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. It's yep. frightening. And then, I mean, the real showstopper is you end up in this room with AT-ATs mm-hmm. uh, or ADAT if you prefer. But how yeah. will you pronounce ATST if you are that kind of person? Um, and so, and they feel life size. I don't know if they're doing any like, uh, perspective tricks there but it feels it life-size. feels like they're not they're gigantic and that's where the ride deviates um your left to right track and finn is in there he's undercover on this actually two fins. yeah so there's two fins but if you go left you see one fin you go right you see another fin because you get shot at by stormtroopers as you're going in there and then all of a sudden you realize you're shooting back and the first time on it I was like how are we shooting back? We're, what, yeah, what? I was like, is I there some like, sort of Buzz Lightyear situation? And, that and then, yeah, and then we pivot, and I see Finn shooting along with another stormtrooper. So there must he had friends undercover, obviously, and so they're shooting back because they they shot a stormtrooper up there. That how did we do that? And then I see, oh yes, there that is the how force was with you, Doug. It, well, it is strong. It is strong with yeah. us. But yeah, that that part's amazing. And then of course the droid gets you into the elevator, and the whole time being yelled at to go down. You need to get down to the turbo lifts. You need to go down to the escape pods. And of course we go up because the droid is the droid. And so you go up on one track. You just kind of go up to the ATAT's cockpit level. Mm-hmm. And then you move off and do other things. And there's a huge like laser burst on the other track. You go up and you are like the first track. You're looking at the side of the ATAT mm-hmm. cockpit. There's two ATATs in that room. The second track you go up and you're looking face to face. at the pilots. And you back out as they fire at you. Uh, less lasers than the other side, ironically. But yeah, that's um, weird. But yeah, but it's a little bit more intense because you're like looking at them. Uh huh. And you eye. see the cannons come down nice and yep. slow. Oh, yeah, and you're they like, have to, they have you're to, like get out of here. Get out of here. Although, uh, if we think about it, why were there even pilots in there? Anyway, let's not think sense. about too much. Let's, let's not, not hurt our heads. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then you end up, for some reason, you end up below the bridge. Yeah. I mean, of course, that's where you naturally go in a prisoner transport vehicle is the bridge. And you get to see Hux and Kylo Ren fight about putting up the shields because he's sensing the cavalry is coming. And then looking out on the bridge, all of a sudden, boom, the whole resistance fleet enters in from hyperspace and then just this space battle Mm -hmm. starts breaking loose and you keep traveling and you're just like part of the space battle you keep passing by windows and you see this space battle happening and then you end up somehow again because this is how this is how escapes go you end up like by the cannons of the star destroyer fire that how did that feel for you that i think is the most like intense amazing part the the driving 
under those cannons as they're firing out into the space, as we're getting hit by the resistance ship too. And you're seeing damage, all these laser blasts, there's damage happening around you. There's explosions around you. And all of this time too, Kylo Ren is chasing you because you didn't have enough going on. Kylo Ren's chasing you. You're playing a game of Frogger with a bunch of cannons. Yeah. You know, it's I, just, it's crazy. And then kind of the last scene of the escape, you end up like face to face with Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. He starts yelling at you. Convenient laser blast puts him out of commission quickly enough so that you can get out of there. Yeah. You skipped one little tiny broom there. So you see, you see Kylo Ren and then a door closes. You think you're safe from Kylo Ren for a second. And then all of a sudden through the ceiling, there's a lightsaber cutting a perfect little circle through the ceiling. And you're like, dude, I totally missed that. By the way, I was watching Rivet. I know I wrote it twice and I missed it. I was watching. I don't know. I was I was watching a ride video later, and I was like, "What is that from the ceiling? There was a lightsaber in the ceiling. What is wrong yeah. with you, Joe? You didn't. Look I don't up. know how you missed that because it was intense, and I don't know how they did it. But yeah, you know, that I, happens because I was closing my eyes. You know, I was just, probably you're just yeah, you're you're praying to the maker that to keep yep. it canon. But yeah, so that happens as Kylo Ren's chasing you. But yeah, fortunately the the whole gets busted away and Kylo Ren kind of almost gets sucked out in space and allows us to escape to the escape pod. Yep. And so you finally get to the escape pod. There's a short drop there. I don't, people compared to the tower tower. It's like nothing like that. It, it no. feels like maybe like a three to five foot drop max. I mean, you know, you feel it a little bit, but it like feels like you're getting shot out from an escape pod. Because you're going yeah. down. You, you, and you see three or four other escape pods drop while you're sitting there, while you're loaded, while the elevator is attaching. Yeah, it kind of gets your mind ready it, for it. Yeah, It might be about a story. I think it has to be – It's but they pull you down. So it's not just a drop. It's just like Tower Terror. They're going to pull you so you get that maximum velocity faster. So I don't know. It's probably, it could be three or four feet. It could be 10. It's not like 50. It's not even yeah, close. It's not Tower Terror at all. Yeah, no. it's like a – it's like you I get mean, it might feel like two seconds, but mm-hmm. it's probably like half a second. Yeah. Of weight the weight you get that weightless feel where you're up out of your seat for just a second, maybe half second. Yeah, and then you just do kind of like a mini star tour. So mm-hmm. you're like flying through a star destroyer, crash landing on Batuu. You know, you crash land on you know, I saw Bio Reconstruct, that dude who does mm-hmm. like all the great yep. aerial shots of lands and progress and stuff like that. And he showed that like on the video, like there are features in Batuu that are like exactly the same as in real Batu, And so you crash land back onto Batu, which is like a video, but it's like realistic Batu, yeah. And then you come out into actual Batu, and you're back outside. This is where Joe realizes that it's actually nighttime. And so he was not in an auditorium <laughs> the entire time. Um, but then you're safe. You did yeah. it. We, we escaped. We almost joined the resistance, but didn't quite. The resistance was like, do we need this busload of random recruits? Mm. Mm. Probably not. They seem to be more trouble than they're worth. Yes, probably, probably. Anyway, uh, that's the ride. Uh, it is amazing. We pretty much talked about it as long as it actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's an I experience. So. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'd say it's like a twenty to twenty-five minute experience. Mm-hmm. Even if you subtract out, you know, once you get into that kind of midway queue, it's pretty short. The the queue yeah. part itself, and then with the to me with the first order cast members, mm-hmm. like you it's feel like you still it. feel like yeah. So you're not um, standing in line. You're yeah. in the attraction. You're getting ready to be processed for detention. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, not a good thing. No, it's not at all. Except for when it becomes the best thing. Yeah. 
once you escape and the the narrator the whole time there's somebody talking to your droid that's uh james arnold taylor doing the voice work there so it sounds a little obi-wan kenobi ish from the clone wars if you listen real close oh that's a good shout there yeah yeah so i mean we've gone super long but i can't uh let you go without hearing you know overall what would you say about this ride you know what would your final kind of two cents be on this ride i mean hands down it's the best attraction at walt disney world i haven't been to asia to do any of those attractions that are the top-notch ones there but this potentially the best one in the world i don't know but for me right now it is easily and i'm a star wars fan and so my wife she's not a huge star wars fan right but she goes to the movies and tunes me out when i talk about it and she loved it she still will say flight of passage is her favorite but um, I think she's kind of sick in the head at times and doesn't quite know what she's talking about. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, she does sponsor your podcast, so you know you better. Yeah, she doesn't listen, though. Don't worry. She, perfect, perfect. She doesn't listen to podcasts. I, I think I could see the argument, like, you know, if you're debating between Flight mm-hmm. of Passage and this, like, they're kind of different experiences. You know, Flight of Passage, you know, you can't beat that IMAX screen. So if you're kind of into that big picture thing, mm-hmm. maybe you can choose Flight of Passage. But for me, I would take Rise of the Resistance over Flight of Passage. I mean, you know, the difference is Flight of Passage, you know, I was lucky enough to go for the media event, but like, I haven't gone back to like line up for that yet. For Rise of the Resistance, I. I mean, I've been back on the ride, but only by okay. a fast pass. Like, I haven't actually yeah. like, lined up for it. For Rise of the Resistance, uh, I lucked into one ride on Sunday, but I went back. I, like, I was ready to go back at 5 a.m. to get a boarding group to go again. No um, question. And ready to, like, wait. You know, I waited two hours that first time, and, you know, I was ready to wait as long as I could possibly wait and not miss my flight that next morning. So, uh, you know, I think I could happily wait an hour and a half for that ride. Oh, yeah. It's just... I was trying to describe it as like you're in a Star Wars movie, but it's not like even like you're in a Star Wars movie. You're just straight up in Star Wars. In period. the whole thing. And like, it's not a simulator. It's not a dark ride. It's not a walkthrough. It's all three combined with other things happening. Yeah. Plus the cast members acting. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, some of the best. I mean, you, you can't even decide whether like the audio animatronics are better or the screens are better. Like, it's just. I know. It's weird. So it's weird. Normally that's not a debate I need to have. I know. I know. All right. This is already like a 40 minute episode. <laughs> so we ought to go, but Doug is going to stick around to record with me a little longer. We're going to record a short little Patreon episode because as you can tell, Doug and I cannot get enough no. about talking about this ride. So again, thank you so much for coming on Doug. Cause I really appreciate it. One, you bring your expertise to the show, but two, you just giving me someone else to geek out with. Cause <laughs> it's one of those things when you like experience something, no one else has had yet. You got to talk about it with someone. Yes. Absolutely. I appreciate you inviting me on. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks so much, Doug. All right. So, uh, Leslie, uh, you're back. You were here this whole time, right? All right. Well, let's end it with a Disney do or don't. What do you have for us, Joe? All right. So this is my Rise of the Resistance specific Disney do or don't. If you're listening this far, you've uh, already listened to spoilers. So my Disney do would be to say, keep left. Um, And this goes throughout the attraction because as of right now, people don't realize that there are two lines when you're waiting to enter your detention cell. And like in Star Tours before it and all these other queues, Space Mountain, all these queues where things split, people always seem to like to go to the right because we're a right handed centric society. So if you keep left, you know, I was with this guy in line who kept left, his friends went right. And then he had to wait like 10 minutes for uh, them to meet up with him. So keep left. I think, uh, 
as of right now, that'll uh, minimize your time in line within the experience. Awesome tip. All right. If you've written Rise of the Resistance, please let us know your thoughts. You can connect with us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Other than that, Leslie, thanks so much, and I'll see you on Batu. Thanks, Joe. Bye.